as we are continuing our uh, study together through the Gospel of John, uh, we have ourselves in the upper room with Jesus. He's with his disciples on the night before the crucifixion day. In John 13, and we've taken two weeks to look at John 13, uh, we find out that there are really two powerful lessons in this chapter that John was trying to show us what Jesus was teaching. One was uh, to serve one another. And number two was to love one another. That's pretty simple. Serve one another, love one another. If Jesus really wants to let us know how that we can really find life, here's where he starts. Serving one another, washing people's feet, being people of the towel. We celebrated all that last week uh, with the throwing out of those towels. And now, by loving one another. Uh, that's exactly opposite of the place that we usually start. It usually starts thinking about life or greatness or what you want to happen in your life. It usually starts with self-centeredness, self-focus. We focus on ourselves, our needs, our agenda, and Jesus comes along and flips it upside down. He often does that, doesn't he? Flips it upside down, and he says, start with serving others and loving others, and you'll find the life that you never dreamed possible. That's his plan and desire for us. So Jesus says, love one another. It's, it seems like uh, such a common idea, doesn't it? Um, I, when, I, when I decided to preach a message like this, I already knew that I had two strikes against me. One was, uh, when you start talking about love, is definition and familiarity. The definition is the first one. What is love? Uh, it's defined in so many different ways and used with all kinds of different definitions that it's tough when you start trying to talk about God's love. Um, you know, we, we've heard the word love so many times. The word love is used in the context of, of romance and, and feelings, you know, almost like you don't really decide about love. You just kind of fall into it. You know, it just sort of happens to you. Um, a few years ago, they did, a, they did this big uh, writing about it. I think it was Time Magazine. What is love? Uh, and their definition was, listen to this, drifting moodiness and thought behavior, the mad conceit that the entire universe has rolled itself up in this person that is my beloved. Love is ecstasy and torment, freedom and flavoring. Poets and songwriters would be in a mess without it. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. That was their definition uh, of love. Even the, you know, the Beatles sang, all you need is love. Uh, and we got so many songs. I mean, just hundreds and thousands of songs. Um, you know, so when we talk about love, uh, so many times it revolves around uh, romance and relationships like that. Um, but what we're talking about here um, is God's love. Uh, there are two verses here in the 13th chapter that are powerful, and they have an impact on us, and they are transforming from Jesus' perspective. Now, that's focusing on definition. Now, we also have trouble with love, talking about it, because it's such a familiar concept. Uh, it, it might be one of the worst. I mean, even when you start talking about love, you know, the Bible is filled with concepts and teaching about love. I mean, if we were to ask the number one mark of a Christian, I mean, it's not having a bumper sticker with a fish on it or, you know, that's not the mark. The mark of a Christian is love. 
the kind of love that God describes for us. And, and that's really the problem. You know, we pretty much know it. Some of you in this room would probably even know the Greek word for love. Now, that, I mean, wow, that means a lot, doesn't it? I mean, we use the word agape uh, and is, uh, to describe or try to give some definition uh, to it. But the question for Jesus is not, have you heard it? Not, uh, do you know something about it? The question for Jesus is, do you do it? Do you live it? The kind of love that he describes. So as you get to John 13, um, you know, I, what I want you to think about is that studying the Bible, having an opportunity to study together, whether here or in a class, is not necessarily real life. You know, what this is, is kind of like the warm-up room. You know, it's the warm-up room where we study together and we think about things and we learn things so that we can take it out into the real world out there. You know, if all we do is talk about it in here, that's not worth anything, is it? That's not changing anybody's life. And so, uh, Jesus expected every one of us to love in the way that he taught it. He knows that we can do it. So he's cheering us on. He's pulled us together so that we can learn it together. So we're going to look at these verses. Now, typically, I take you from the first verse and we go through the whole section together. But today, I want us to look in the middle and kind of get the whole idea. Right here in the middle, Jesus says, as a matter of fact, uh, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, I'd love for us to say it together. It's such a powerful verse from the life of Jesus. You can just put it right together with the Great Commission and uh, John 3.16. Here's this verse, this, this command that he offers uh, to us. So let's say the reference, say the verse, and then we'll say the reference again. Ready? John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34 to 35. So here's this incredible verse that he's offered to us, this new commandment. And there's really a new commandment principle here uh, for us. And it is the as I principle, as I principle uh, from Jesus. So here's what Jesus said. As I love you, that's how I want you to love each other. As I loved you, this is how you love it. He says, it's a new command I give you. I, I wondered right away, maybe you do, uh, what is new about it? Uh, it, it sounds, kind of, you know, the first and greatest commandment that Jesus had already taught us is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And he said the second is to love your neighbor as yourself, to love other people. So there's already a command to love God, already a command to love people. So what's new about this commandment? He says, love one another. It's a command to, to love others, uh, to love other believers, other people in our life. But what's new about it is he says, love one another as I loved you. So that's a whole new quality of love that he's offering to us. Jesus loved in this way. He taught this principle and he gave us an example. I gave you a few other examples. Uh, John 15, uh, 9 and 10 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. 
remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. You see what he's doing? He's comparing his love between him and the Father and asking us to be able to take that same kind of love and have it for each other. That's a pretty astounding uh, command. John 15, 17, he said, My father constantly does good, and I'm following his example. So he's giving us an example and saying, this is the pattern. This is the pattern of my life, how I live out love in my life between me and the Father, and I want you to take that same pattern upon yourself. So many times, maybe you wonder, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do I live my life? How am I supposed to to live out this life? Well, here you go. Today's the day. He said, here's the command. Just like I have this relationship with the Father, that's what I want you and me to have. Well, you have. You ever wonder why people talk about having a relationship with Jesus? You know, I meet, I meet people all the time that are religious people, sometimes even gone to church, but sometimes they've never even heard anybody talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, it comes out right here. It's right what he's talking about, that the, the, the open relationship that he would have with his father He wants to have that kind of relationship with us. Now, to have that kind of love relationship, to live out that kind of life, something has to change, right? I mean, it's not my natural inclination to think about it uh, that way. So here's some some ideas. Uh, To love differently, to act differently, I have to discover some differences. So let's define some of them. The first one I would say is the difference between what I feel and what I do. The difference between what I feel and what I do might surprise you, but I don't always feel so loving. Well, just come on in, you know, (laughs) you too. We don't always feel loving. And you know, you can't command an emotion. Yeah, some of you have tried. I've heard you before. You'll say, stop crying. What's wrong with you? You know, that never works, right? You can't, you can't stop or tell somebody or command uh, an emotion. You can't make somebody love. Uh, the commandment is here, so it's not, he's not just talking about uh, feelings. Uh, many times you and I think that we uh, think about love and we think it's not real unless we feel it. Uh, it's not real if I don't feel something. If I don't feel love for this person, if I don't feel love for my kids, if I don't feel like loving my husband or my wife, it's not real. If I don't feel like loving somebody else, uh, is it real still? You better believe it is. Just ask your wife. I mean, that, that's for sure. Uh, you know, uh, some of our kids uh, were involved at camp and uh, in NYC, and one of the phrases that came up in there was, my want to is not required just my obedience. That's pretty good. Some of y'all didn't like that if we heard it a hundred times, you know. Um, But that's such a good thing, isn't it? Recognize that my want to is not necessarily required because it's not about feelings. Uh, There's a difference. You know, when, when every fiber about you feels against it and then you love anyway. Do you hear what I just said? Every fiber in you is against loving and then you decide to love anyway. So you love somebody even though they may have hurt you or lost some trust. When one of your children has broken your heart, you love them anyway and you act in love toward them. That's genuine love. Do you begin to feel the difference of what Jesus is talking about compared to all this stuff that we we sing and hear on the radio and talk about? 
He says, well, Jesus says it. He looks down from the cross and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He loved them even in that situation. Love doesn't uh, miss who people really are. I mean, I'm not talking about just having sentimentality and loving people even though we know what's going on in their life. No, God's love helps us to rise above that. Even though we know the truth, we can love uh, anyway. Um, So uh, it's the difference between what I feel and what I choose to do. Now, there's a second difference that's going to impact us as we think about this. And it's the difference between I should and I can. I should and I can. You know, when you read this commandment from Jesus, uh, I, I hope you hear the difference between I should do that over against I can do that. Uh, Jesus is not saying you should really think about being nicer and loving people better. That is not what he is saying right here. He said, you must love one another. He commands us to do it. It's like the difference between what's expected of me and what I'm empowered to do. Expected of me. I mean, if you hear Jesus saying, okay, here's another burden for you. It's just, great, I got one more thing to do, pastor, goodness. It's obvious I didn't have enough to just get through the day. And now, instead of yelling at everybody, I got to love them. (laughs) But if you hear Jesus saying, love one another, and you recognize that he is never going to ask you to do something that he is not going to empower you to do. So you hear him saying, you can do this. You can love in ways that you never dreamed possible because my love is in you and then you can give love out to the others around you. You can love in situations, circumstances where you never thought uh, that you could. So Jesus is recognizing that he's going to empower us and help us to accomplish what he asked us to do. Uh, So, uh, you know, when... It would just help me. You know, I was thinking, it's kind of like driving your car. You know, when I'm driving along, it'd be really great if Jesus would just show up on the radio. You know, he'd just kind of zoom into the radio and say, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what you need to do. Here are the danger points along the way. That might help, but that's not enough. We could say, Jesus, why don't you get in the car with me and sit down beside me and help me with the moments of my life and to know what to do? He could, we could say that. Uh, but he has a better alternative. He always does. Uh, Jesus just takes the controls. And he drives us. And we recognize that he is taking us where he wants us to go. And he is enabling us. You know, we are not built to manage all of our relationships in love in our own strength. We are created to be empowered by God. That's his command. Uh, My love within you will empower you to be a person of love like this. Third difference, feel what I feel compared to what I do, what I should over against I can, and the difference between old and new. It's a new commandment, he says, as I love. It's not based upon um, fear. It's based on love. Um, You know, haven't we had enough of stale love? 
stale life and we need new life. He says, I'm going to breathe new life into this whole concept of love in all your relationships. That's something worth thinking about, something worth living for, something that will impact every area of our life. Couldn't this idea this morning, can you tell, I'm already really enthused. Couldn't it make a difference in how we raise our kids? Couldn't it make a difference in how we love our spouses? Couldn't it make a difference in all these tough situations in our life to know that instead of living selfishly and focused on what I want, living unselfishly and allowing his love live in us? Honestly, a lot of our love, okay, you ready for this? A lot of our love is just polite selfishness. Polite, I never even said those words together, but, um, you know, it's just polite because if I'm nice to you, then maybe you'll meet my needs. You'll do what I want you to do. If, if you do this, then I'm going to be nice and love you. Or when you meet my needs or because you do these things I want you to do, uh, Jesus raises a whole new standard. It's not if or if I get something out of it, just as Jesus loved you. Love is an example that is greater. We need this example that's greater than ourselves. Love as I have loved you is a foundation that's stronger than the love that we think about. So love has this higher purpose. I mean, when you love in this way, you show the world who you belong to, who you've given your life to. It shows the world that we belong to him. The world will be drawn to him because of our love for each other. Why? Because the world knows what kind of love it usually sees. And when they see us loving even in difficult situations and environments, they want to know. They're trying to figure it out. When you love with no strings attached, no traps, they begin to wonder, why does the person love like that? The principle is, as I. Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. We see that there. So there are different marks in the scripture. Uh, I'll give you these quickly. Uh, four marks. Uh, Ephesians 5, 2 says, be full of love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself to God as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And so you can see some ways that, that Christ demonstrates this. One is that we fellowship with one another as Jesus fellowships with the Father. We fellowship to, uh, together. There's a, there's a whole new closeness in our relationships, a whole new honesty and freedom because of the example of love that's been given to us that we didn't know how to give to others. We forgive as we've been forgiven, as he has forgiven us. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another just as God in Christ also uh, forgave you. You know, we really can't get this forgiveness thing down without God's help, can we? It's just too hard. Um, there's too much anger, frustration, all the hurt that's involved in that. But with him, we can forgive others because we've experienced the forgiveness that he offers to us. You understand what I'm trying to say? Sometimes you don't do things because you've never seen it done. You don't know how, but you know how it feels. If you've accepted Christ, you know that he's forgiven you. He's, clean, he's changed your life. You have felt it. And so now you can offer something to others because it's personally happened to you. Wow. We accept one another 
as he accepts us. Accepting one another then just as Christ has accepted us, Romans 15. So relationships uh, are based on acceptance. I accept you and you accept me and we can have relationship together. A lot of times people think that relationships are built on similarities and likes so that my relationship with somebody is going to flourish because we like the same things. We sort of get connected uh, to each other. But that's not really true. Uh, We fall into the trap of thinking that we're going to struggle in relationships because people are different than us. Uh, You know, as soon as we say that, uh, we're trying to build these relationships online. You know what that means? That means you just hang around people that are just like you, that just think like you. And a lot of the world thinks that's the way to build relationships. Christ flips that upside down. He even says, love your enemies. You know, we like that love God and love our love even those around you. Uh, you know, I noticed something about me. And I, I know I'm peculiar. Um, but a long time ago, um, one of the reactions that I had about what Christ did in my life. One of the things that is just, just overwhelms my heart is that the love that he showed to me. And so I decided, you know, what most people do is you meet somebody a little different than you and, or maybe somebody that disagrees with you, you know, and it's, you know, what we end up doing is we kind of start backing away. You know, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if I like that. Uh, they're not going to be my best friend. Uh, you know, what if, And here's what I decided to do. One of my things is I love that when I'm in a a strange relationship, something different, something that maybe is a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, I like to move forward. (laughs) Kills people. (laughs) You would think we're we're not going to get along, but all of a sudden, you know, there's a difference when you let Jesus help you move forward rather than moving back. Because my relationships are not built on similarities and likeness and agreement. Our relationship is built on acceptance. So, hello, Irene. Me and Irene, we are about as different as you could be. (laughs) The way we grew up, things that happened to us, you know, all all of my environment, all of her environment come together. But I have... I have for years been pursuing Irene because I need a friend like Irene. Our church needs friends like Irene. Notice I said multiple, not just, uh, I love Irene. And uh, she knows, I come to her, I give her massive hugs on a regular basis because we love each other and we are different, but God is using us uh, together. You, you, You need to take that, right? There's something powerful uh, instead of backing up, moving forward, uh, even, even in those moments. Again, that's a Jesus thing that, that happens in us that moves us forward. I got I to keep going here. Um, all right, uh, the last one is the, the, the marks are sacrifice, that we sacrifice for one another as he sacrificed to us. Another great verse, First uh, John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. So here's a definition. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. John's been reading John 13, right? Uh, He knew what he was talking about, and he says it uh, over again. The sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice as we sacrifice.
sacrifice uh, to others. So, now, we looked at the middle verse here. Now, uh, we're, we're not going to get all this done today, but I at least want you to see the beginning of this section. The, the beginning of this section was something that was mentioned last week was this uh, relationship that Jesus had with Judas, with Judas. So the relationship there was that Judas rejected the love of Jesus. Judas rejected the love of Jesus. Um, he... It's talking about um, th this relationship with him. Satan is coming in and causing him to, to lead in betrayal. Um, what I wrote here was, you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. You can't ever fool him. He knows exactly what's in your heart. He knows if you're moving forward or moving back. He knows if there's genuine love in the midst of that. Now, notice, remember last week, we talked about what, what Jesus did in relationship to Judas. I'm telling you, this is so overwhelming to me. How, how could he possibly treat this guy this way? I told you, he washed Judas's feet. He didn't, he didn't back away. He knew what was in his heart, and he moved toward him. He washed his feet. Uh, he... he, he didn't skip over Judas. Judas is seated at Jesus' left. Remember, they didn't actually sit. They were kind of reclined at the table. And so John tells us that, uh, these, that we see that John is on the right of Jesus, but we hear that here's G Judas right beside him. So much so that Jesus would dip the bread into the, into the cup and then give it to Judas. The only way I could think of it was it's kind of like being at the Mexican restaurant and you're sitting there with the chip and the, you put some salsa on the chip and then you feed it to somebody else. That would be pretty intimate eating, wouldn't it? <laughs> None of y'all were for that. All right. So, uh, but back then, that was kind of an intimate thing about eating. Jesus dipped the bread in and then he gave the bread to Judas. I'm telling you, if you knew all that stuff about him, is that how you would treat him? As intimate and friendship there, um, you know, the, the Bible tells, you, uh, tells us in 21, it says, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another. I mean, the other gospels, they, they don't say, hey, it's you, it's you. I knew it was you. No, they say, is it I? Was it, was it, was it me? Uh, and they can't figure it out. Peter can't figure it out. John doesn't know uh, who it is. And Jesus says, uh, I'm going to dip the bread in the bowl, and the one I give it to is the one. And he dips the bread in the bowl, and he gives it to Judas, and he says to Judas, what you do, do quickly. And he goes. I mean, the Bible says something horrible happened. It says that Satan entered into Judas's heart. I mean, I don't take that figuratively. I think that's literal. Satan was in his heart. And you, um, you, you hear all about this possession and all that, but he took over his heart. And these disciples had no idea what was going on. It says in 29, Judas had charge of the money. Some thought Judas, uh, that Jesus was telling Judas to buy what was needed for the feast or give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus, Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. I don't think he was just talking about the weather. It was dark. I mean, remember, Judas walks out of this room, clean feet, washed by the love of Jesus, walks out of that room with food in his stomach given to him by Christ, and yet he chose to reject Christ, to reject his love, and he became a traitor. 28 says, no one at the table understood why Jesus had said this to him, not even John. You know why they didn't know? Because Judas was a trusted disciple. I mean, he got to be in charge of the money. 
Some thought he was going to buy food. Some thought he was going to help somebody that was poor. They thought he was responsible. They thought he was compassionate, and they missed it. You know why? Because betrayers can be hard to spot. Betrayers can be hard to spot. People can, can put up a front and do all the religious things and maybe not have the truth in their heart. How did Jesus love Judas? He accepted him. He accepted him. You see what acceptance is? Acceptance is while seeing exactly who he was, he continued to love him for who he could be. Whew. He saw who he was, and yet he loved him for who uh, he could be. Uh, that's acceptance. You know, there's a huge difference between acceptance and approval. Acceptance and approval. Um, there are some people... I, I get this all the time. Um, I, I kind of get it from both sides. Sometimes people will say to me, Pastor, do you know what so-and-so is doing? And so they like to tell me all that, you know, the, um, oh, I saw it on Facebook, or all this stuff, you know. And, and it's like they want me to go over and to straighten them out. <laughs> do you want Pastor to do that for you? That's what I usually say. No, nobody wants that. You know, I don't, that, that's not total. You know, we, we have these things that we say, oh, no, no, no. No, we, we cannot have that. They cannot be in our church. They cannot, they cannot do We got to do something about this. See, it's the difference between acceptance and approval. I, I get it on the other side, too. The other side is, um, well, pastor, we just don't believe that. You know, I know our church stands for that, but we just don't believe that. Well, once again, there's a difference between acceptance and approval. Um, let's see how to explain this. Um, you know, we, we have, we, this is a problem in our culture right now. Don't you struggle with it? Like, what do we do about all these things that are happening in the church, out of the church, in the culture, around us? You know, we used to say something like, let's love the sinner and hate the sin. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm still in my life working through that. But I do realize that I can love people without approving of everything that they do. Absolutely. Right? You know, that should, be a, that should be a good little church lesson, right? That we, couldn't we accept people? He accepted Judas of all people. You know why all that's in there? All that detail is in there to wake us up. And to say, if Jesus can love Judas like that, I don't know who in your life that you can't love. Amen. Acceptance is I can love them. Because of what Jesus has done in me, I can offer love to them. But it doesn't mean that I have to approve of everything. You know, I haven't changed my... You, you, you're not with me all week, but you wouldn't believe some of the people that I run into and the conversations that I get to have, because I'm not scared. I'm, I'm moving toward them. And it's amazing, because most people expect me to disapprove, to, to put them down. Let's not do that. 
Now, don't write me. I, I, I know, I, you know, if you want to talk, we can talk. But, I, but I'm telling you, there is something here in this message, in this scripture, that helps us to see how do we deal with this problem. We cannot be fighting politically or get off on all this. You know, don't be on Facebook and deciding about the Democrats and the Republicans, all that. Jesus has another way. And he wants us, and, and, and again, please don't write me about that one. Um, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of other topics. There's a lot of other issues that we're dealing with. I mean, we could just name a whole, this, just dealing uh, with youth culture or uh, racism and, or sexuality and gender, all of these different things that are part of stuff that we have to deal with. And Jesus says, I have a new commandment for you. Love one another as I loved you. Acceptance over against approval. It's, it's definitely worth it. I hope it just stomped your toes because it, to it did mine. Uh, I had to think about it. Uh, what do I believe about this? Okay, I got to get to the end. All right, we're, um, um, he says, I have a new commandment. Notice, um, I'm going to let you read the rest of that. 31 to 35 talks about this whole issue of him being glorified. What does that mean? That's focusing on the cross and what it meant for us. Uh, the new command I give to you, love uh, one another. Um, so he, he comes and down at the end there, Jesus love. Uh, he's reminding us that it is uh, unconditional, unselfish, and unlimited. So he's giving us some perspective on uh, what his love looks like. I mean, he comes along and he says, a new commandment I have for you as I've loved you, you love other people. That's the way I want you to love, just like I've loved you, that you would love others. New command, William, love others as I have loved you. And that's how personal it is. Very specific, directed toward all of us. Now, we are, this is a big day. You feel that? I mean, this is a decisive kind of day about who we are in Christ. So I'm asking you this morning, uh, have a little personal defining moment for yourself about how you love, how you love your family, how you act at your house, how you treat your mom or your dad, how, how you deal with your children. Uh, that today he's talking to us personally. He's talking about transformation. He's being so clear. So I want us to see the cross and experience it together. So I have some gentlemen uh, that are going to come and they're, uh, they're going to serve us today. Um, Mark's going to serve the table for us. Uh, we're going to pray for these elements, but I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to finish this sermon while you're receiving this, but I'm asking you today, have a personal moment with Jesus. Don't, don't just get wrapped up in their serving and all the movement that's going on. Listen, make some decisions, make a choice so that when you eat the bread today and you drink the juice, you have this personal defining moment with Christ. Now, let me say this. If, if, if you are wondering about communion today, communion for us is, is open. That means if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are so welcome to eat at this table with us. Please join us uh, with the bread and the juice. If you would be uncertain about your faith in Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer for these elements right now. And while we're praying a prayer, you tell Jesus that you trust him with your life. You give your life to him and then you come to the table and join with us. Could you pray a moment? Jesus, thank you for what you are doing in this place this morning. I, ooh, I feel you so strong here today.
Lord, you can, you can make a difference in us today the way that you did around the table in that upper room. So we're in the upper room and some of our friends online are joining us. Today, Lord, we come to the table because we've accepted Christ as our Savior. If there's somebody in this room, Lord, that would just say right now, Lord, I'm sorry that I hadn't done this before or I'm sorry I wandered away and I trust you today. I trust you with my soul and I ask you to save me, Lord, and to be my Savior. Lord, I pray that you would bless these elements and use them and this moment for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, would you please serve us? Jesus embraced the cross. He said, love as I have loved you. He embraced the cross. He stepped down from his throne and he left his crown because we were worth the loss. He embraced the pain, thorns on his head, the nails in his hand, the spear in his side. He embraced the shame, fully exposed, his arms open wide, his hands open, his eyes open, all eyes on him. His voice fading, his heart breaking, his skin broken, his eyes still open, staring, piercing, looking at you, at your past, at your present, your future, and thinking you are so worth it. His nakedness before all to cover your shame, the nails in his hands to know the depth of your pain, the blood screamed out, you are worth it. His arms spread out, so we were within reach of a cross standing so tall and a love rooted so deep. He says to you all, you are worth it because he saw where you stood and he sees where you are. He let the nails go through his hands so you could touch his scars and believe that he came. He suffered, he bled, love pouring out with every drop he shed because he found that you were worth it. So there came that sacred defining moment where purity and sin did collide, carrying every addiction and sickness and scar that we tried to hide, all on his back, all in an effort to take us back. We had turned our backs on him, but we turned away, but he turned and came toward us. Our sin, our place, our paid debt, a debt so high as death. Do, do you get it? Can you grasp the depth of such love? A love that would go so far to suffer and die for you. A victim so innocent, offering up his innocence in substitute for our need. Yes, he embraced the cross. Yes, he embraced me. Yes, he embraced you because he saw beyond that tree. Looking through the crowd, he saw who you have been, who you are, and who you could be. And he said, you are worth it. You are worth my sacrifice as I hang on display. My child, this is the evidence of your access to grace. Where you find yourself tainted because of what you did. He says, covered when you find yourself vulnerable because of what they did, he says, covered. Where you find yourself exposed before his ever-piercing eyes because you took the bait from the serpent and sought a tree to hide behind, he says, covered. 
Because he carried the cross, he became the tree of life, made himself the true vine so we could be the branches. So instead of spending all this time sowing leaves on, we could bear good fruit, love one another as he defined and lead others to believe in him. Oh, that story did not end when he bowed his head and said, it is done. For he rose again with the power that even death could not back, put down, or overcome. There is no need to despair, for the war has already been won, and we are defined by his grace. Jesus embraced the cross. Jesus embraced us. Jesus Christ, our Savior, he is true love. And this is the new commandment. As I have loved you, you love one another it could be our defining moment let's stand together changed today be changed today this is where we live we're in a warm up room because we got something to do out there love one another with all this in mind we eat this piece of bread to remind God we get it we embrace Jesus' death for us on a cross. Let's eat and remember. We drink this juice representing the Savior's shed blood, proclaiming we get it, we see it. We are profoundly impacted and transformed by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us. As I have loved you, love one another. Let's drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for ministering to us today. Help us to not quickly get over what you did here, what you have done, and may May it so transform our hearts that we would be able to love others as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.